Well, good evening, saints. We are continuing on uh, in looking at the fundamentals of the faith, and uh, we've uh, been going through a a portion called uh, God's... Actually, I messed up. Uh, We're going through the creation section, and uh, today uh, we're actually getting to... Uh, the creation. The, the section we've been going through is called Fundamentals of Creation, uh, and we talked about the God's master plan for history, then we talked about the Trinity, which is God's relationship to Himself, and then after that we talked about the Creator, and finally in the fourth lesson in the Fundamentals of Creation, we're finally getting to the actual creation. Uh, so if, you know, those of you who know me are not surprised that we've taken the roundabout way to get there. Um, but it's a, a very difficult thing to to cover all of creation in one lesson. Uh, so I just want you to know this is going to be a blitz message. Uh, we're going to be covering a lot of territory and we're going to be uh, going really, really fast. Uh, but the nice thing is that this place has been decorated in a way that points us to creation. Hopefully, as you're walking in, you saw a giant elephant and a giraffe out there, uh, which are, of course, reminders of the marvelous way in which our Creator uh, has made the world. Uh, one funny story to share. Uh, my parents told me this. I don't remember it. Uh, they said, you know, growing up, they were trying to, you know, teach me to to pray and to, you know, grow grow my faith. And one time, before dinner, they asked me to say the prayer. And they said, I began praying and I began uh, to to thank God for the things He made. And I, I started saying, listing animals. Started saying, "Lord, thank you uh, for the lions. Thank you for bears. Thank you for tigers." And, and after a while, they realized he's not going to stop. <laughs> he's just going to keep going and name all the animals. So they, they eventually kind of had to, uh, you, you know, uh, give me the wrap it up sig- signal as a little kid. Like, oh, that's really good. Now let's eat. You know. Um, so as we get into creation, uh, just for whatever it is for you, whether it's animals or nature, I hope as we go over this, uh, it reminds you of the goodness of our Creator and the greatness in what He's done. Now, uh, if you turn to the far left of your Bible, uh, we're going to be starting out in Genesis 1.1. Uh, we're going to be reading through the beginning of chapter 2. Uh, I'm going I'm to try and read it fast because... Uh, time is short, and uh, the implications and applications of this are extensive. Uh, this, in answering this question and of how did creation occur, what occurred, uh, we talked already a little bit about who the Creator is in previous weeks, but this is a fundamental belief. It's answering the question of origin. Where did we come from? which, of course, is foundational to understanding why we are here and where we are going. If you don't know your origin, you don't know your roots. If you don't know your origin, it's difficult to determine your trajectory. With that in mind, please read with me Genesis 1, beginning in verse 1. As I said, we're going to fly through this, but listen carefully and quickly. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void. And darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. 
And God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning, the first day. And God said, let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters, and let it separate the waters from the waters. And God made the expanse and separated the waters that were under the expanse from the waters that were above this expanse. And it was so. And God called the expanse heaven. And there was evening and there was morning the second day. And God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place and let dry land appear. And it was so. And God called the dry land earth. And the waters that were gathered together he called seas. And God saw that it was good. And God said, Let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed, and fruit trees bearing fruit, in which is their seed, and each according to its kind, on the earth. And it was so. The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seeds according to their own kinds, and trees bearing fruit, in which is their seed, each according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning, the third day. And God said, Let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night. And let them be for signs and for seasons, for days and for years. And let them be lights in the expanse of the heaven to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. And the stars. God set them in the expanse of the heavens to give light on earth to rule over the day and over the night, and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning, the fourth day. And God said, Let the waters swarm with swarms of living creatures, and let birds fly above the earth, across the expanse of the heavens. So God created the great sea creatures, and every living creature that moves, with which the waters swarm according to their kinds, and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the waters in the seas and let the, seas and let the birds multiply on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning the fifth day. And God said, Let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kind, livestock and creeping things, and beasts of the earth according to their kinds. And it was so. And God made the beasts of the earth according to their kinds, and the livestock according to their kinds, and everything that creeps on the ground according to its kind. And God saw it was good. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God he created him. Male and female he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of the earth and every tree with seed in its fruit, and you shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the heaven, and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, 
I've given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. There was evening and morning, the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day God finished his work that he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all the work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all his work, which he had done in creation. So as we're looking at this long, large text, one of the questions we're asking is, what did God create? This is a key question as we look at this passage. What did God create? And the answer to it is, God created all things by His powerful Word, and everything which He created was very good. What did God create? God created all things by His powerful Word, and everything which He created was very good. As we look at this text, we get an understanding of the basic process by which God created the world. There's a a certain little phrase in in the beginning we have, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. We talked a couple weeks ago about how that refers to God bringing space and time and matter into existence. And it's hard for us to imagine that God existed before those existed. God is not a creature who is dependent upon space, time, or matter for his being because he brought all of those into existence. We have a God who who brings the universe into existence and then it gives a description of the initial state of that creation. It says, The earth was without form and void. By the way, the the, the key phrase, this formlessness and this void, this chaos and this emptiness that dominates the world. And what we see in the next six days of creation is God working against that formlessness and working against that emptiness to bring form and fullness to the formless and void. And uh, as we go through, uh, we see him creating and and overcoming that initial primordial state of the universe. In days one through three, God orders the chaos uh, by separating it into distinct boundaries. Day one, God creates light and God separates the light and the darkness. By the way, I don't know about you, but if I try and think about light and dark mixed up, it kind of boggles the mind a little bit. He did a good job organizing. I can't even imagine it mixed up. I can imagine my light and dark socks mixed up, but I can't imagine light and darkness itself intermingled. He creates light, and then he begins to separate it from the darkness. In the second day, we see God separates the waters above and the waters below. He creates the waters and the skies. In day three, we have God separating land from the water below, and he, he, create, he separates the lands and the seas and also produces vegetation. Now, as I said, in this we see God ordering things. And by the way, order is a, a part of creation. God's order and design is a part of his creative activity. 
Uh, a lot of times we think of uh, the creative types as uh, those who uh, ignore all rules, ignore all order. No, no, no. In order to be creative, there are certain rules you have to follow. There are certain principles you need to apply. We have an architect in the room. To be a good architect, there are certain mathematical principles that you have to rightly apply. Otherwise, the building might collapse on someone. There are certain aesthetic principles that need to be applied if you want the building to be pleasing to the eye and pleasant to go into. In the first three days, he's ordering chaos. And I want you to see in the next three days, in days one through three, he's ordering the chaos. He's forming the formless. In the next three days, what he's doing is he's filling the void. He's providing fullness to what was formerly empty. And there's a parallel. There's a parallel between day one and day four. There's a parallel between day two and day five. There's a parallel between day three and day six. I want you to see if if you hear it. So in day four, the parallel is day one. What does God do? Day one separates the light and the dark. In day four, God fills the day and the night with celestial bodies. You have the sun to rule the day, the moon to rule the night. He creates the stars also. Uh, In in one of the songs we sang, uh, there's a mention of the music of the spheres. I don't know if you know this, but there, I've alluded to it previously, and uh, Becky, who is our pianist, actually pointed out, you know, there's a song about that, and we sang it today. The medieval scholars used to think that the movements of the planets were so organized, uh, were so harmonious, that they must make music as they're moving about. Uh, so when it refers to the music of the spheres, it's talking about the, the order and the beauty that occurs in the movement of the planets. Day four, God fills the day and night with celestial bodies. That parallels day one. Day two, God separates the waters above and waters below. What does he do on day five? Well, he fills the oceans with fish, the waters below. He fills the heavens, the expanse above them, with birds and flying creatures. He's filling. Day six, what does he fill? Well, what happened on day three? He separated the the dry land from the water. So day six, God fills the land with all sorts of crawling creatures, as well as mankind. Now, we're going to spend a a little bit separate time on mankind because uh, we're already rushed enough as it is uh, looking at creation. This, this, in the six days of creation, God is progressively overcoming the formlessness and emptiness of the original creation. Throughout the creation process, God calls his creation good. You notice that? He keeps saying it's good, it's good. But when he finishes creating, he looks at everything that he made and says it is very good. And then on the seventh day, God rests from his creative work. Now, that's a little bit of an explanation of the process of creation uh, through which God worked. Uh, I want us to now look at uh, some of the quick points about creation that we uh, take out of this. And we take uh, these not just out of Genesis, but uh, throughout the whole Bible. So as I'm, I'm, I'm... uh, I'm going to have to go faster than I like to go. Uh, so if you're taking notes, take notes fast. If you're listening, listen quickly. Um, we have uh, 
there's about a seven or eight points I'm just going to hammer through really quick that, that we, we take away from, from uh, creation. Uh, one of the things that this teaches us is the extent of creation. Uh, now, this is something we don't think about because we come from a Judeo-Christian worldview. One of the things that occurs in Moses' day and even in the New Testament is the context that largely surrounds believers in those eras are polytheistic religions. Now, what would you have in a polytheistic religion? Well, you'd have one God over the stars. You'd have one God over the moon. You've had a, a God over the sea. You'd have a God over the mountains. So, you know, if you, if you go out on the ocean, what do you got to do? You got to make a sacrifice to Poseidon uh, and make sure Poseidon is happy. Why? Because that is his realm of creation. In this description, one of the things uh, that's being described is that there is one God over all and one God who created all. In terms of the extent of creation, God creates both the physical and the spiritual realm. I want you to, to hear this from Psalm 148, 2 through 6. Praise Him, all His angels. Praise Him, all His hosts. Praise Him, sun and moon. Praise Him, all you shining stars. Praise Him, you highest heavens and you waters above the heavens. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for He commanded and they were created. And He established them forever and ever. He gave a decree and it shall not pass away. Now notice, he, he tells them, he, he commands the angels to praise God. Why? Because they are created beings. When God creates, he creates not only the physical realm, but the spiritual realm. Both are created by God. In terms of extent of creation, God creates all things. This is reinforced in John 1, 1 through 3, which is actually speaking of Christ. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. Okay, that's pretty extensive. Everything that is was brought into being by him, and there's nothing that be that wasn't brought into being without him. Now, that's probably bad grammar, but good theology. You know, there, there, every, everything that be, be because he made it be. <laughs> um, so in terms of extent of creation, God created both the physical realm and all things. There's nothing that exists without him. In terms of the means of creation, uh, this is something emphasized throughout Scripture, God creates by His Word. What God speaks creates new realities. This is emphasized not only in the Genesis account, but we have a reinforcement of it in Hebrews 11.3. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the Word of God, so that what is seen was not made of, of things that are visible. Uh, another thing this points to is that creation is ex nihilo. Uh, ex nihilo is a Latin phrase meaning out of nothing. So when God creates the universe, he doesn't have pre-existing material. It's not like all the decorations we have around here. 
You know, the VBS workers would have a much easier time if they just said palm tree and it appeared. No, they've got, they've got to take pre-existing material and form it. They've got to take the cardboard boxes and all the paper, all the decorations you see around you for VBS. They have to take those from previously existing materials, reform them and to make these realities. God did it with nothing in existence. By the way, it's hard to imagine nothing existing. I try and imagine nothing, and I just imagine empty space and darkness, but it exists before the empty space and the darkness exists. God creates out of nothing by the means of His Word. We can also see uh, Psalm 33, 6-9. Uh, you can look that up in, in, in your spare time this weekend, or this week, rather. Don't have much weekend left. Uh, there's certain theological truths that are in, reinforced and introduced by creation. Uh, first of all, creation manifests God's goodness. Creation manifests God's goodness. It, creation is an act of God's grace. Now, now, what is grace? Grace is something that is freely given. Grace is, is something that is presented to somebody who didn't earn it. The universe didn't do anything to deserve to be brought into existence. It was unearned and and freely given. God also uses creation to bless mankind. Matthew 5.45 So that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven, for He makes His sun rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust. Creation itself is an act of grace, and God uses His creation to bless. Both of these things point us to and remind us that our God is a good and generous God. Second theological truth that creation points us to is creation manifests God's authority and authorship over creation. We see this in uh, Isaiah 45.9, which is uh, quoted in Romans 9.21, a, a very popular thing. Woe to him who strives with him who formed him, a pot among earthen pots. Does the clay say to him who forms him, what are you making? Or your work has no handles. Essentially, that passage is saying the creation doesn't have a right to tell the Creator anything. The the creation doesn't have a right to to say the one who forms it, hey, what are you doing? No, God in His authority and authorship over creation has certain rights and privileges thereof. Thirdly, theological truth we see in this is creation reinforces what we've already talked about earlier, in the Trinity. Do you know that? If creation is a work of God, then the creation accounts reinforce the Trinity. Um, We see this in lots of places. The Son is described as an agent of creation. We see that in Colossians 1.16. We saw it in John 1, 1 1-3, which we mentioned earlier. But Colossians 1, 16-18 says, For by Him, Christ, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through Him and for Him. And He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. We have also 
1 Corinthians 8, 6 and, and John chapter 1 that reinforce this. We have Hebrews 1, 2 that reinforces this. We have Colossians uh, 1.16, which we already read. So if creation is an act of God and the Son is described as a creative agent, that tells us that the Son is God. We see also the Spirit of God as one who creates. We see it in Genesis 1-2. The Spirit of God was hovering over the waters before the creative work occurs. We see it in Psalm 104-30. And we see it in Job 33-4. And that Job says, The Spirit of God has made me. That is, He is created by the Spirit of God. And the breath of the Almighty gives me light. So we have three theological truths that are taught. That creation manifests God's goodness. Creation manifests God's authority and authorship. And creation reinforces the Trinity. Very quickly, we'll, we'll just go over what is a practical application of understanding God's work as the Creator. And it's quite simply that prayer and thanks is due to the God of creation. Romans 1, 19-21, in a section uh, condemning the world, really, says that for what is known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For His invisible attributes, namely His eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made, so that they are without excuse. In that section, he, he begins to condemn people for their failure to thank God for what He has done and praise Him for who He is. We who know and enjoy not only the fruits of creation, but get glimpses of the actual Creator, have far more reason to praise Him. Creation declares the glory of God, and we who are believers have the ability to enjoy it much more than anybody else. Because we see not only the creation, but we are able to thank and praise the God who names it, who made it by the word of His mouth. Uh, I don't know if you have the same experience as me. One of the things we, my wife and I like to do is go on vacation. Uh, the last big vacation we took was out to uh, California, and there, there were certain things we planned to do. We planned a trip out to see the Redwoods. We had a trip planned out to Yosemite. Why? To be able to enjoy the beauty of God's creation to be reminded of His creative power. As we do that, it should call forth in us anthems of praise and prayer. 